welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Daily Thunder, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A. R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham, and here with me tonight, Dan Galinsky, and making his return, Mac Perry. What is up, guys? Mac, how are you doing? Uh, all things considered, man, I'm doing well. Uh, <laughs> another game, <laughs> same story, am I right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, lost to Hornets, 108-102. Record now at twenty one and thirty eight. Dan, how are you feeling about everything? Uh, no complaints here. Like Mac, they just uh, kind of got stung in the second half yesterday. Yeah, the uh, the third quarter haunts the Cavs again. Uh, like we said, one hundred eight, one hundred two. Uh, game. They they had a real shot to win. Um, on the Hornet side, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, and Miles Bridges all go for. Uh, 25, and just those three gave the problems gave problems to the Cavs all night. Uh, on the Cavs side, Garland and Sexton had a good game. Uh, Allen and Hartenstein combined for 11 for 11 from the field, um, three for four from the line for Allen. So it wasn't a perfect perfect shooting night from both of them. But uh, yeah, Cavaliers at this point are five games out of the 10 seed. Uh, we talked about before. Wizards kind of seem to be getting it together a little bit, and the Cavs kind of seem to be going the opposite direction. At this point, Dan, the play-in chances, the play-in hopes seem to be looking bleak. Do you think that there is any shot that they get there at this point? I'm going to say about a 15% chance. It just does not look good right now. Um, Just the inconsistencies game to game just continue to, to be the issue, and I don't really say this very often, um, but and I think he's been playing better lately. I think his effect on the game does does matter um, from a spacing standpoint. But I don't know what Kevin Love is doing from a rebounding perspective. Yesterday, he was absolutely abysmal. Uh, I thought his off ball defense. I mean, that's never. It's always been kind of much maligned. I don't think his on ball defense is nearly as bad as it's painted. But he was the effort yesterday was just absolutely horrid. Uh, either that, or 
he just looked out of shape. He I don't know what he was doing. It, it just it was horrendous. Just awful. Ended with twelve points, five rebounds on three of eleven shooting. All three of the shots he made from were from three, uh three from seven from outside. Uh did make all his free throws, did make that technical free throw. I guess that's a positive to look at. His but, defensive uh, effort was an abomination. Defensive I've, effort was not there. You want to get into it, Mac? Yeah, at this point in his career, um, you know, just so many so many injuries throughout the years. I'm not sure Kevin Love will ever be able to manage more than I don't know, seven and a half rebounds in any season moving forward. His his I, I don't think he looks to rebound anymore. It's, yeah, at, at least yeah. on the offensive end. Uh, you know, I don't think his body is suited to hold up anymore inside. He he has still he still has pretty good positioning, you know, he has he knows where the the ball's gonna end up a lot of the time, but he, he just doesn't look very intent on chasing rebounds at this point. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure he crawls to rebound. (laughs) (laughs) All I know is that Kevin Love is looking more and more like the, uh, the, the, the guy who will stand in the corner and shoot threes at this point. Uh, I don't know if he'll be able to get back to a point where he can impact the game in terms of rebounding. You know, we hope so. Uh, especially with with how lackluster he's looked and, you know, the contract that he has, I just don't see us being able to, you know, move off of him anytime soon without a buyout. So, we're, we're for better or worse, I think we're kind of stuck with the production we're getting from him. Yeah, I definitely don't think that the trade value – I mean, it, it has increased uh, since he's come back. Just the fact that he's been able to play it all and prove that he can – stay on the floor for 25 minutes is something that we didn't know if we'd be getting earlier in the season. Uh, I still think that the defensive rebounding instincts are there. Uh, Obviously, we really didn't see it last night, and he did kind of, you know, he ran into problems going up against, you know, P.J. Washington, Miles Bridges. Uh, Not a very good matchup for him and a couple guys that are just, you know, those type of explosive, you know, wings slash forwards are just going to give him problems. And again, at this point, he is just kind of slower. I think that's always been the, I mean, even when he first arrived in Cleveland, that's why he got, you know, he was played off the court at certain points during the finals runs. Um, but like Dan said, he, he might be still working his way back from the injury. He does look heavily out of shape. Even when you watch him run or even walk down the court, it's not really, it's like, yeah, it's, it's not like a wall. Run. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, he might be the slowest player out there. Well, looking at everyone on the floor last night, I think he's certainly the slowest player on the Cavs, uh, either him or Hartenstein. Uh, on the Hornets, I mean, Cody Zeller didn't play. Out of the guys who played for the Hornets last night, who's even the slowest guy? Is it Bismack Biombo? Like, I don't know if it was Biombo. I mean, Biombo like, was moving a like little they, bit more. Like than they don't really... <laughs> Like they're a fast, they're, they're kind of like a, a switchy, you know, fast-paced team. And that was as far as like without, the personnel that they played last night, at least. And that's without Lamelo too. That was yeah, that's without Lamelo. That's without Monk. It's without Gordon. Oh yeah, Monk too. Right? They're going to be a great team when health. They, they're going to they yeah. yeah. They're a problem for sure. Yeah, when when they do get healthy and that that core like if, is kind if, of like earlier on when that injury issue like stuff happened, like if they if the Knicks had to play them, that would have been a really fascinating first round series. It would be because it kind of was shaping up to be that way. Then. Yeah, 
kind of a, a contrast in styles. Exactly. I mean, the, yeah. the Hornets offense versus the Knicks defense. But um, anyway, yeah, the, I think you make a really good point there with, with uh, Kevin Love on the offensive end. Is I just don't think he's really capable of be, like going – like he's able to kind of position himself for defensive rebounds – but I just don't know if he has that fight left in him really to – and I don't mean that from like an, an attitude standpoint, but just he doesn't have the burst and the – I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but to, to go after and get those <laughs> offensive rebounds. Physically, you're, you're right he's though, just man. Physically, he's just he not – he doesn't have that burst anymore, I don't think. Yeah, and, and that's why I think, you know, the best skill set that he can bring, you know, if we, if we never see the rebounding come back at least to, you know, a subpar level – is going to be that three-point shooting. And even with that, he's got to bring that back up because he's, he's the volume is there. 33% this season. Yeah, the volume is there, but the makes aren't. So that's his biggest value at this point. And it could be a rhythm thing. We'll, we'll just have to see as far as that goes. But um, like you said, it, it, I'm glad that he is at least taking them. Um, I think that that's needed. But yeah, the, the, the spacing isn't a, a valuable you know asset to have a spacing for. Um, I think... Again, this wasn't Okoro's best night. He ended up with three points, five rebounds, four assists. Uh, didn't shoot well from the field. But I think that having Kevin Love back has helped him a lot. Just, again, from opening up the floor a little bit and Kevin being a you know a solid facilitator and playmaker from kind of the mid-post area, um, being able to find him on cuts. Um, when you're not spe- getting shooting out of your front court, perimeter shooting out of your front court, it's going to, you know, and Kevin Love has to be your best yeah. option. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking a little bit about just cutting, though, uh, Dan, you had mentioned it last time that, that Sexton, you know, was really kind of, you know, starting to be a, become effective as a cutter. I think that really made itself clear last night that that was something that he found a lot of last night. In that first half especially, he seemed to be getting a lot of points off of backdoors and just – I think I'd seen one person just say, you know, he's getting a lot of points right now without dribbling. Uh, just – Going into that pairing, and obviously Colin dealt with foul trouble throughout the game. Uh, he ended up with uh, his fifth early in the fourth and, you know, had to kind of change up his play style a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, we had talked about just getting into some offensive foul trouble was not normally a problem for Saxon. It just happened to be so tonight. But um, what did you think of the performance of the Sexland backcourt in this game? And I don't know. I think that, you know, we're, we're really starting to click there, and that's something that you know, despite some things kind of falling apart around him, that might be something that could really finish the season on a high note. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's just the more you see them play, um, I, I think the chemistry between the two is definitely growing. Um, both are, and I, I really like lately have, um, we didn't see it as much in this past game, uh, but I think the the feel as a passer for Colin is, is coming along gradually uh and that's that's been good to see um kind of starting to find those kind of like almost extra pass plays more uh more hockey assists from him uh uh made a really nice play in that chicago game um or in this last or that last win when he kind of drove was i thought going to go with like an up and under but it was pretty contested and then kicked it to the corner um to okoro who popped it um, it like did like a swing swing. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Dean Wade. Um, those sort of little things, game to game, you're seeing more of from Sexton. Um, that that shows growth to me. And people are not are are not going to love like by and large the three volume from him. But had eight threes yesterday. Made three. 
Um, I, I just think it's we're starting to see the pull up three stuff from him more. Um, and I, I just like whenever he sees guys go under on him, he's just going to pull it. Uh, that even if he doesn't necessarily hit them all the time, obviously not going to hit all of them, but um, it kind of just makes him more dangerous um, in other areas from there. Um, his his willingness to get to the basket, um, take on contact, uh, get gets to the line uh, a good amount. Um, we're seeing that more and more. And then with Garland, um, really not much else to say. Uh, just the assists. Um, he, Austin Carr in, in the game kind of said you see – Two or three of those kind of like no-look feeds um, with either hand, I think, his ability to pass um, to cutters, guys, to hit spray outs. Um, there's going to be some turnovers here and there, but that's that's just what's going to happen with a young guard and the burden he has. But um, just the passing creativity, uh, the the change of direction, the, the shiftiness he has, uh, just really coming into his own. There's been a take going around on Cavs Twitter and Mac. I've seen that oh. you are also involved in this take. Uh, talking about redrafting Darius Garland's draft. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm not going to say yet that I would have taken Darius Garland over John Morant. But, Mac, I want you to make your case. I know that you had tweeted that out today. Make the case for Darius Garland over John Morant at this point. I think that the value that they've gotten from Darius Garland at where he was drafted is He's paid. It's paid off in dividends. Don't get me wrong. John Morant, excellent player. I think he's listed somewhere around 19 and a half points this season. And, you know, he does everything well. He can rebound. He's every bit as good at assisting as Garland is. And he obviously is more athletic based upon his, you know, his highlight reel dunks. I just, from where he was drafted at, I just like what we're getting from Garland. Morant went number two. Garland went number five. I just don't think it's any, uh, you know, it, it to me, it, it it's pretty clear the value in terms of what you're getting from the two. That in health, I think with Garland, as he's continued to get healthier uh, and, and playing more games, I mean, th- this is a guy who barely played in college, who didn't even get to finish his first season. He's getting better night in and night out, and I think he's finally showing that. There, there was a point in this season, this season, in which Colin Sexton was the one who was, you know, he was starring and who was getting most of the hype, and it was definitely deserved. You know, he had some fringe All Star buzz, but now it, it's kind of like Garland is is kind of basking in that himself. And if he's able to finish out this season, I think that's only going to further strengthen who the best guard out of that draft will be. Uh, you know, I think that, yeah, you know, I've, I've been guilty of saying this in the past. I think that his career could definitely mirror that of Mike Conley's, um, you know, with the wealth of guards that we have in this league, especially, uh, you know, out West, but being in the East as we are, it would still be just as difficult for him to be named to that. And, you know, we, we did get to see Conley named to the all-star game this season. That was great. But I think Garland's career could follow the same path. He's not going to be required as this team matures, you know, and, and we continue to add. I don't think he's going to be required to give as much as he is. Like Garland took 20 shots last night. You know, he, he had the game. I think he had the game high in minutes for Cleveland at 37. 
Um, the usage rate is up there. So he, he's going to continue to, you know, pile up the stats if given the opportunity. But I just, in terms of pure value, being drafted number two versus being drafted number five, I think Cleveland and Kobe Altman really hit it on the head. So I'm, I know you're not there yet and that's okay. But I am completely on the Garland better than Morant train at this point in time. Can I'll I just say, ask Mac a quick question, yeah, Justin? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mac, who would you prefer um, going forward, DG or De'Aaron Fox? Ah, uh, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> now that I don't know why. A, I just kind of always compare the two. That is a why, tough really. one. I, I'm still going to take Garland in this point. Uh, I would too. Uh, I, I I mean, the blistering speed that De'Aaron Fox has would be fun to watch uh, with Cleveland and Colin Sexton. But, I mean, and Colin, you know, he's a pretty speedy guy himself. But Fox is another one of these guys who's very – his skill set is very similar to Morant and Garland's. Um, but at this point in time, I'd still take Garland over Fox. And it, Fox is not getting enough hype, you know, out west. You know, obviously it's the Kings. <laughs> they don't get – they don't really get any hype. Uh, but being in, you know, the small market that we're in, I, I, I kind of like what we have in Garland. So I would take him over either of those two. Just looking at the player and not where they're at in their contract alone. Um, I, I still think I would probably take De'Aaron. Uh, and again, it's, it's not like it, it is very, very close there. Um, looking at just John Morant, uh, obviously the, the shooting is the one kind of, Different, the, the big difference in their game with the athleticism, uh, he's able to make up for a lot of that. And the finishing around the rim, I do give John Moran an edge there just because of that. But, I will, um, I, the ability I, to not, you know, to, to, to not be a threat when guys go under screens, uh, has been a problem for Ja this year. And I think that that is something that is, is clearly not going to be a problem for Darius moving forward. So I will say, I think that the, the, the gap is closing very quickly. The only thing to me that Fox has over Garland is maybe size. And it's not really apparent when you watch it on the court. Then, you know, I think they, they weigh about the same. But uh, Fox may be a little slightly taller, you know, maybe able to, to move around a bit more. But it, with Garland, he's shown that he can get past some of these bigger bodies in the post. You know, he's I love to see the floaters and the layups from him and uh i think that's only going to continue as he you know season in and season out with him now i think they're fit beside each other colin and you know garland is going to uh is is really going to be tested heading into this uh this off season depending upon how much the Cavs value size at those guard positions uh but just to just to cap it off, man, I, I would take Garland over either one of those two. I know the stat sheet says that Fox is is a better player currently, but I mean we already have a guard like that in Colin, so I, I'd I'd ride with Garland. That's yeah, fair. I just I, I just kind of compare the two, given that they were both fifth overall selections. Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. I think kind of coming on in in kind of like small market areas, kind of the shooting and or the playmaking and scoring, but. A little, but that's all. I do, and, and you mentioned obviously having Colin here uh, makes for less of a need for scoring in the backcourt. But I do still trust De'Aaron a little bit more as a scorer than I do Darius at this point. Again, not to, not to make it sound like I'm down at Don Darius at all. I just think he's he's just below those guys still. But I think, like I said, I think he's he's very very close to changing my opinion. I think he's closing that gap 
right now very, very fast. And All if right. he can continue to do it the rest of the season, we'll, we'll talk at the end of the yeah, season. I'll, see I'll, ask you, I'll ask you we'll after see. the last game. We'll see what you have to say. We'll see. All right, Mac, I have to ask you this. Darius Garland or Tyre Hero? Is that really a question? Is that, is that even a question? Of course, Tyler Hero, you know, is the better shooter at this point. I would think, you know, from be out, be outside the line, but he's getting he's getting more volume than Garland. Uh, you already, I think Dan mentioned that Colin took eight threes last night. Um, that's that's probably going to continue to happen. I don't see Garland getting a lot of volume uh, there. You know, as he is really focused on playmaking. But there's no question, Garland all day. I just had to ask. That's been a kind of an ongoing thing that we've watched here on the podcast is the comparisons between those two. Obviously, Tyler Hero making rising, making the rising stars roster, and Darius Garland not robbed. Um, it was absolutely he was absolutely robbed of that. He should have made it. It's disappointing. Again, we're. I don't know about you guys. I, I am still a firm believer in the Tyler Hero is overrated camp. But um, we'll move on. I want to talk a little bit about Dean Wade, who is back in the rotation, played about 18 minutes last night. Uh, didn't do a ton of his time on the floor. Um, didn't really do anything right. Didn't do a ton wrong. Um, I won't say he didn't do anything right. I mean, he made a shot. But it seems like he's kind of going to be the guy who takes Tarian's spot in the rotation. Um, we kind of talked about this in the last episode. Uh, obviously, there were multiple candidates uh, Jetty was an obvious one. Lamar thought maybe would get a little bump in his minutes from nothing. Uh, even brought up Thomas, we thought maybe would kind of you know get in there and take some of that minute share. Uh, based on what we saw last night, I think Larry Nance played 27 minutes. Uh, we might see him you know continue to play at that kind of level in the high 20s, mid 20s. Uh, and obviously Dean Wade reinserted in the rotation. Uh, I think you had kind of agreed with me that we thought that Dean would be the guy, Dan. Um, were you surprised at all, Mac, to see Dean be the guy who took that spot? Did you think that it would be Jetty? Do you think do you think Jetty's just basically done at this point in the season? I am conflicted on Jetty Osman, man. I got to be honest with you because based on you know what we saw last night, I, I Dean Wade is probably going to be the guy moving forward at least towards the you know the the few remaining games of this season. And although it didn't show up in the stat sheet how positive of an impact that he can have on a nightly basis, I think that he is going to stay in that position. In terms of Jetty Ellsman, here's what I'll say. I, I have liked what I've seen out of the small stretches that they've allowed him to be the primary playmaker off the bench. Uh, Point Jetty, I think that is what people have been saying. People have been calling him. I have liked those stretches. And I think, honestly, we've already hit on it that the inability for Matthew Delvadova to score is really a hindrance in that second unit. So what I'm telling you, I would love to see Jetty move to possibly the full-time backup point guard, at least to close out the season over Delhi. I'd like to at least see him get some minutes there, more minutes than he has. And, you know, with how sporadic his insertion into the, the rotation is, I just, I don't see it happening. I, I, I wrote about this, you know, I, I pinned that I think there are ways that Jetty can, you know, climb back into the rotation, but I just don't think he's going to get that opportunity unless injury calls for it. And even with Prince being out, he's not going to receive those minutes. Wade is clearly the, has more upside than him. Uh, you know, he's 
more natural of a fit at the power forward position. And I just don't see any way that Jetty is able to crack this rotation without removing, uh, you know, another full-time player such as Matthew Delvadova. Uh, he's not bumping Hardenstein, obviously. Yeah. You know, Hardenstein, you're not going to. You're not bumping get, Nance. You're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nance is going to get near starters minutes off the bench. Um, so I, there, I think Jetty is sad to say pretty much done, at least for this season, unless they're able to, you know, who knows who they're going to bring in in terms of free agents and draft. But I think Jetty's time in Cleveland may be nearing its end. I, but Wade, it very well might. Wade is definitely the biggest beneficiary at this point in terms of the minutes that will be handed out. I, you know, Nance, he's gonna get, he's gonna get his. He he is just the versatile glue guy off the bench. He can do a little bit of everything, and he still doesn't look great. But um, I think Wade is obviously the biggest bene, uh, beneficiary of Prince being out. I think I do think it's going to be a little bit of time till Nance gets back to 100%. And I don't really think there's anything that can be done in the meantime other than just continuing to get into shape and continuing to, you know, con- continuing to put back on weight uh, that'll that'll really help him other than that. But I, I kind of agree with your take on Jetty as far as being the kind of pseudo point guard is kind of the best role for him. I'm just still kind of struggling to see if that's a good role for him. I It's, it's a very different play style comparing... <laughs> What Jetty Osmond brings at the one compared to what Matthew Dolvadova brings, and it's uh, I almost for, feel like yeah for when, for him for for Delhi it's it's always been about the playmaking and the defense. But what is I just want to ask both of you what does Jelly uh, what is what does Jetty do <laughs> what does Jetty do really well like what name one skill set that's my thing like I guess he when he gets his opportunities yep. he's an above average playmaker. He hasn't always been tasked with that, but um, some t- he'll take threes off movement. He'll take threes off the bounce. It's not going to go in very often, but he's at least sometimes confident doing that. Other than that, I don't really have much for you. He's a semi-reliable ball handler, um, but not as reliable as Matthew. Um, <laughs> I guess my the thing is, I guess that's his best role right now. I'm just still not sure that it's a good one. In comparison, yeah, I'm I'm with Justin there. It's uh, I'll say like he does find a way to get like lob threats involved. Um, I think he does that pretty well. Um, and does the the six eight vision stuff does help? Um, kind of allow him to find those kind of skip passes to the corners. Um, and but the whole problem with Jetty is, um. The shot creation, like, he does find a way to get shots off. Like, get seems to get to spots decently well for a guy with a fairly limited handle. Um, but it's just, the confidence is just, just seems um, completely shot as a shooter. And that's, that's a guy that really feeds off that. And then defensively, there's just routinely um, just... It just seems like the same mistakes over and over, and that's I think that's the thing that probably really does irk Bakerstaff too. Yeah, kind of getting into Jetty or not Jetty, but Delvadova here. Um, well, I guess before we get into him, we can get into Jeremiah Martin, who obviously we haven't seen play yet. I think he's still going through a protocol 
until yeah. he's able to sign. So we'll probably see him in the lineup next week. But um, Mac, what did you think of the uh, Jeremiah Martin signing? We had talked a little bit about it last episode, but look at him and you, you see a a scorer at the point guard position who will kind of fill in. Hopefully, a little bit of that scoring void that's left by Tarian. What did you think of that acquisition? And uh, do you think he could give Delvadova? We talked about Jetty maybe filling in that role. Do you think that a guy like Martin could kind of fill in that Delhi role right now? Certainly. I mean, we after speaking about Jetty, you guys both seem like you're, you know, you would be hesitant to give him that role, you know, at least to close out the season, or at least you are unwary of it. So definitely, I think Martin could give him a run for his money. He's obviously a better scorer. I think they had him at 18 and a half points in 15 games in the G League, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I, I apparently, you know, he, he destroyed Canton uh, in his last matchup. I think it was 36 points that he dropped. Um, you know, the biggest concern, I think, with Martin, just like with the guards that we already have, is size. Now, he's, it's not quite as big as a factor because he's listed at six foot three. I don't know if that's generous. Um, I've seen a couple of his highlights. He doesn't look like he's a big, he's a big guy. Um, but I will say this, he did, of what I've seen from him, he looks like a pretty good defender. So if you couple the scoring element with the defense that he could provide, I think there's every bit the chance that he could replace Delhi heading down the stretch because it's not a long shot to say that both Ozman and Delavadova could possibly be gone um, you know, heading into the next season. But I think bringing in a guy like Martin on a two-way, you had to give it to somebody, you know, uh, after signing the multi-year extension, uh, giving the multi-year extension to Lamar. And I think uh, it, you you took a fire on him. He's 24 years old. He still, he would fit the Cavaliers timeline. I think that he could definitely provide a spark off the bench. Now, my my question is, would you play him over Broderick Thomas? And that's kind of where I think you get into a conversation. Um, I think that Jeremiah is a little bit more polished right now. Uh, I think that he's a little bit more of a natural point guard, which if that's what you're kind of looking at to replace Matthew Delvadova, um, it'll be interesting. We're at the point now where we basically have 13 games left. It'll be kind of interesting to see, not just with, with Delhi, but with Kevin Love, I think, as well, how they kind of monitor the Vets' minutes. Uh, if they do kind of try to phase Matthew Delvadova out of the rotation a little bit to give guys like that an opportunity. But uh, I definitely think, especially being that he just signed, we'll definitely see our fair share of Jeremiah Martin uh, just because he's new and you want to see what you have in him. You want to see you know what he's capable of bringing in comparison to Broderick. But um, that's just my take on it. Dan, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think we'll see him. Um, I, I think... Not not a shooter in terms of like from range, but there's more shot creation ability um, in terms of polish than than Thomas. Um, I, I think in that sense, um, can give you a little bit of pop. Um, has some pick and roll viability. Um, just his ability to uh, kind of shake defenders um, is not something really you see from Thomas, who. I, I like as a shooter, um, and I think defensively he's he's done a really good job. Um, just has really just innate uh, stuff on that end that you don't. Um, I, I would say from sex land you don't see it, um, but and I mean explosive vertically, but 
I think, yeah, with Martin, there's, um, it's, it's like that Swerfer's kind of mentality type guy, and he's going to go at you, um, ultra competitive, um, and defensively, yeah, as Mac hit on, um, I, I really, even though he is slender, um, does kind of, does get into guys and, uh, just finds a way to get after people at the point of attack that, um, just, kind of in a way almost uses his small-ish abilities to, um, like, get into guys a little bit more, which is kind of an element, I think, um, with his um, really, really, really quick. Um, that's something that I think could bring, like, a unique kind of element in in minutes. At, at this point, you might as well see what you can have in that way, just given the scoring. I wouldn't mind seeing him play on the floor together in spurts. Uh, I think that yeah, that's something that was very realistic. Again, at this point, like for a four-minute spurt in the second quarter, it, with Tarian out. Um, Are you with, saying that again, you would like to see a three-guard lineup or both Delhi and Martin on the floor together? I'm saying both. I don't want to see Delhi. No, with no, Martin, not with but, not with Delhi on the floor. I'm talking yeah, about sure. those as your two guards. Oh, okay, gotcha, Martin and Thomas, gotcha. not not with Delvadova on the or floor. Or perhaps like Broderick with. At the three, could, like in spurts. Okay, you could do that in spurts. Because he's, yeah, as well. he's pretty, like. He's done that. I know he's, I mean, he's, done he's only listed at like 187, but he has length. He, he like, as you hit on, I think uh, the last episode that I appeared on, he, he's he got some shot blocking capabilities. He can oh, defend. Yeah. So I think for you sure. could put him out there in spurts at the three. Right, yeah. For, yeah, like Justin said, four minutes, sure. Circling back to Matthew Dolvadova again, we have – I'd have to double-check it. I, I haven't looked at it, but I believe 13 games left this season. Over or under three three-pointers made? We'll go over under three and a half three-pointers made for Dolvadova. Dan, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to take uh, the under. Uh, I'm, taking, <laughs> I'm taking the under, too. I'm smashing the under, man. <laughs> He's <sighs> – He's lost it, man. He's never really been known as a marksman, but just the shot attempts combined with the ugly misses, I don't see it happening. So I would definitely take the under on that. There's been, I just don't know how you miss the rim. Like he, like some of the, they're not even clanks. They're just like, like he might as well be a mason off the backboard. (laughs) I mean, goodness. It's just it's just looking as bad as you can possibly look. I mean, the the shots are still going up. He took three in this game against the Hornets, but I think they don't have the a Cavs. chance, man. They don't have somebody has to take those shots of the players you have on the floor in that second unit. Uh, Larry, you know, Larry can hit a shot. He's worked on that. Um, you know, I'm confident in him taking that three from time to time. We know what Wade can bring to the table in terms of three. We've also seen Hardenstein hit a three. <laughs> Delhi, Delhi would have some problems in knockout nowadays. It would, yes, in the front court, <laughs> even playing front court guys. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not looking good. So, in a game of knockout between Fiandu Cavangale, Isaiah oh, Hartenstein, and Matthew Delvadova, you're taking Cavangale to win. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> the real question is: that. the real question is. Who's going to make the next three-pointer, him or Oseman? That's an interesting... Well, I'm, I'm gonna say, he's going to have the chances. I'm going to... Well, who's... Is, is Delhi going to have the chances or is Jedi going to have the chances? Delhi's going to have the chances because Jedi ain't playing. 
I feel I, like I think we're going to see at least like one more stretch of Jetty playing in a game this season. I, I'm going to take Jetty. That's my. I'm, I'm going with Jetty. On you know that what? One. Jetty Jetty is going to have a monster game in that last game against the Nets. Like I'm going to say he drops like thirty. That's what pisses you <laughs> off about Jetty, though. <laughs> that He'll is have exactly those, yeah. what pisses you off about him because he can tantalize you with potential. He's done it in the past, uh, but he just. His confidence is shot, like you said, and yanking him from the rotation and the lineup altogether has has done nothing for him. I don't, you know, being in the doghouse, I get just because he's what I think thirty percent now from three, and it's warranted. But you're not going to be able to build a guy's confidence up, continuing to you know swap him out. And really, in the first what twelve, thirteen games, what was, he was shooting what like. He was like, on fire. It was like upwards it was good, of man. like it was like upwards of like forty five percent in that stretch. So what would it be like if it were for that? Twenty five, twenty four percent. Like it, 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 it is just looking real bad, and it it doesn't even look like his. I, I like the free throw percentage isn't hasn't been bad, but it just like nothing look like the rotation just looks just funny. I don't know what it is. Well, we're on the top, on the uh, topic of who will do I wonder it first. how many. I also wonder how many Jetty commercials he's getting played like overseas because there can't be many right now. <laughs> there can't be many right now. Yeah, Turkey who's the is next silent right now? Who's the next guy to get in a game? Jetty Osman or uh, Dame? I guess he's out right now. I was gonna say Damian Dotson. I'm gonna say Dotson. Dotson's I, yeah. coming back from he's a knee pro- injury right now. It looks like he's though, close. Said. He's close. So. Between Although Dotson two. cooled off, you know, cooled off down the stretch in the last couple of games that he appeared in, I did. He did. There was a point at did which he, he was providing. I mean, he he was hitting a three now and there, uh, here and there. But I think what we got out of him in playmaking, in terms of that, that was a plus. This oh year. yeah, definitely a big plus. I think. But, but yeah, I I don't really know. Yeah, has, has there been a, a stretch where Dame has heated up? What what could we From say? Outside. What could we say in terms of heated up? Like, like made two in uh, a row. <laughs> like, I, I don't. How many it's times does that like happen? It's, this it's year? almost like when you put something in the microwave and the the plate is is too it's, like rectangular and it, it, or square. It, it just doesn't actually correctly. doesn't rotate. That's yeah. pretty much how it's been this season for him. Like, I I could not have been more off on what I thought he would be. Really, like, really couldn't have been. What did you what, heading into the season? What did you think he was going to provide? I, I thought Dan he was, was very gonna, high on Damian. I, I thought he was going to be like a key off movement shooter for us. I really did. I mean, he's got the size. You know, he definitely could have. And his defense is good. Like, oh yeah, for it, sure. It, it like he has played way better than like the traditional box score stuff, and the passing really has popped. Like, I actually think he's done a really good job, like, in, like, pick and roll. Like, earlier on with JaVale McGee, I thought he really did well like that. But, yeah, they're, the shooting has just been – him and Jetty both, like, they they really can't, can't hit water if they fell out of the boat. And it's annoying because Dame apparently wins all these shooting competitions in practice. Yeah, so. in practice we hear about him versus Oh, and Winter, it's, it's typically with Windler, too. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that like, is what, that's funny. Like, this is just like a smack in the face at this point. I don't know. It, like, the thing with, with Damien this year is it hasn't even just been the fact that he's missing shots, but he's missed, like, 
They've been bad. He's had his, like, fair share of bad misses. His past... Like, again, like, missing the rim. past 12 games, long, like... Has shot 21.9% from three. So. Yuck. That's yeah. a bad stretch and a terrible season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we can move on from this game. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about just kind of a look ahead to the offseason and looking at what positions of need might be. Obviously, it's it's too early to tell with you know what's going to happen with the centers, uh, who they're going to draft. That'll 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 change what all of the needs are. But um, I, I did want to start with the potential trade that was suggested by I don't know who the writer was, but on Bleacher Report I think it was a while Greg ago, Schwartz. Schwartz was it Greg Schwartz? I um, believe so. Suggested a trade between the Timberwolves and Cavs. I figured we'd go over it. Uh, basically, saying Jarrett Culver and Ricky Rubio for Tarian Prince, Jetty Osmond, and a second round pick. Um, Jarrett Culver at this point is under contract next season for six point four million dollars. Has an Eight or an eight million dollar player option the season after that would become a restricted free agent. Then after that season, uh, Ricky Rubio will be on a seventeen point eight million dollar expiring. Uh, obviously, that is a little bit high for the type of player that he's is um, as far as value goes. But on expiring, I don't think it's as big of a deal at all. Um, on the Cavs side, again, you, you get out of Jetty, which is kind of a plus at this point. And if you're the Timberwolves, I guess you're just hoping that you can kind of rehabilitate his value. And you get a, a, you know, playable four on that team that just kind of needs playable fours. He might be good enough to start on that team. Uh, but I'll go to you at this one first, uh, Mac. Would you like a deal like this? Uh, obviously, with the backup point guard situation being very, very unclear with Delhi, I would say at this point probably not coming back uh, with a good chance that Dotson gets waived with his non-guarantee. And then getting Culver and getting a, a flyer on him I think would be a nice thing as well. Would a move like this make sense in your eyes? I think for the Cavaliers, it would definitely make sense. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. Uh, Jarrett Culver listed as 6'6". You know, he's a terrible three-point shooter. Um, so, I, I don't know what you what you may think you may get out of him at that point. But in terms of minutes, you know, he could definitely provide a spark off the bench, I think, behind Colin and maybe even Okoro. But I think the big question mark with this trade – you know, even though you would be bringing in Ricky Rubio, who's an excellent backup point guard at this point and provides a, a good expiring deal, um, I think the the real question is, if you take a trade like this, how does that influence your draft? Um, if you, I guess depending upon where Cleveland finishes, you know, if they do elect to select, it, just in case, if we hit the lottery, I'm not saying this would happen, but if we hit the lottery and was able to grab guy like Cade Cunningham, you have a lot of guys who can fill minutes, you know, at the one and two slot. And in case of Isaac Okoro, who could fill in at the two uh, when necessary, if you really have to. But I think that you're really going to complicate the rotation if you take a deal like this, because you're bringing in Rubio, who is it, who would be expected to fill in for you know, Matthew Delvadova, who we know is probably gone. We know Jetty's probably gone. Um, but in terms of what Culver could bring to the table, I just don't know how I like it. He's got high upside. He's a young guy. But I just don't if, – if he's not able to find minutes in Minnesota, I'm just curious, how, how do you guys think he would find minutes here? Because 
although I liked what I've seen out of Anthony Edwards, it's not like Edwards is a efficient scorer at this point. And what I guess my question would be, what do you think Culver could really bring to the table? I'm not going to question Rubio because we know from an assist standpoint, and he's he's a pretty solid defender, I suppose, at this point in his career. But in terms of pure value of what Culver could bring to the table, I just don't know how much he would be able to affect the lineup. Volume shooter in the can charge. Yeah, hey, that that would be something. <laughs> I, I think, from my perspective, uh, just getting off of Jetty's money is, is a that plus what here. it is? Is that what it is? Is, it, is that what no, we come think, down to? Though? I think that that is like a positive thing because honestly, you could turn down Jarrett Culver's team option of eight million dollars and like still be able to re-sign him for something under that and probably be fine. Or if you don't like him, you can just move on with them, but you kind of get your books cleared at that point. Now, one last thing um, I forgot to mention, and the, the, perhaps the biggest move in this is letting go of Torrin Prince. And yeah, that's what That I'm is honest. another one. That is another one. And uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've absolutely loved what I've seen out of Prince. I think that, uh, you know, he could probably start on a lot of different teams. I think league. he'd probably start on the Timberwolves. Yeah, obviously, you know, I, I think that's that that'd probably be obvious for them. You know, he's got size. He he definitely is an excellent three point shooter. I think he's knocking down over forty one percent of his attempts. Um, I just I don't feel comfortable. I know we'd be we'd be getting off the deal of Oseman, and I know we'd be bringing back in an expiring deal, which could definitely help the Cavs in the future in terms of cap space. But I don't feel comfortable at this point moving Prince. And I guess it really just depends upon how much they value him. If you feel like – I think what Prince is under contract next season too as well, next, isn't he? After next, next season, season he's, he's under free agent, yes. Okay, yeah. So it just depends upon what they, how much they value him and what kind of extension they think they'd be able to sign him to. But at this point, I, I, I would hesitate to pull the trigger on this trade. I guess from my view um, – it does kind of leave you thin at the small forward spot, but I, I think when you're just talking about guys in the draft, uh, I'll get your take on this in a minute, Dan, but Cade Cunningham is maybe the only guy who I think would take me out of, like, like if, if the Cavaliers got Cade Cunningham, then I don't do this trade, because at that point you have too many primary ball handlers. It really doesn't bring in sense to make... It doesn't make sense to bring in Rubio. Uh, other than Cunningham, I don't see this team bringing in another like primary guard ball handler. I don't really see this team being a realistic destination for Jalen Suggs. Uh, it could happen, but I don't personally think it will. Um, I think there's a good chance that they end up outside of the top five that they go with either a Jalen Johnson or a Scotty Barnes. Uh, guys who could kind of, I, I guess with Scotty, you can kind of say he's also in that mold of a primary ball handler, but there's a good chance that they get a Kaminga or somebody else or even a Jalen Green who is kind of fits into that wing category more than primary guard, primary ball handler. I think that um, Rubio would be, well, he would obviously be a huge upgrade over a guy like Del Vadova. Uh, and I think, again, it's just about kind of getting a look at Culver. It's a low risk thing. Um, obviously a very, very good wing defender. Uh, you got to hope that you can get something out of him on offense. And that would probably determine whether he would be here long-term or not. Is he a, but, is um, he a very good wing defender? I think he, uh, I, don't, I see him. I see him. I don't think he's played enough this lot. year. Oh, he's he's definitely thin, but I think he has the physical tools to be a very good wing defender. I guess I should say it that way. I mean, he reminds um, me a lot. He pretty of much Andrew Wiggins. 
He's got length, uh, but uh, okay, I, okay. I will say he's, he's a good perimeter defender. I don't think he's going to be someone who's like guarding like fours. But I think he's a good I, perimeter he's, defender. He's really been disappointing. I, I don't defensively. I uh, granted, I'm not. I can't, I got to give him a grain with a grain of salt because the Timberwolves defensively are kind of play like G League defense, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with Mac on this one. Um, just the the main reason is because, like, I get the expiring thing with Rubio. I get the flyer on Culver. I, I was wrong on Culver. I thought I kind of wanted the cat. I, I was a reddish guy in that draft, like all the way. Um, but uh, Culver, I could have understood. But now, yeah, the 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 pull up potential it just looks it's it's very dumb. minimal. That the playmaking has looked very minimal. That's been a problem. Um, but it's, the problem is with Rubio, there's just zero viability off the ball. Um, it's, I don't really know what, like flipping Rubio, what you'd be flipping him for. Maybe if that's kind of what you're getting at. And then, well, are you looking at making the playoffs next year? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. They, they are, but I like, I don't know if really Rubio is, I, I don't really know if that's like a, like I'm getting to the playoffs type. Like really, it's gonna help that much, just because it's kind of almost still like Delhi in that there's just such a lack of. I mean, he can. There's some pull up. He's stuff, a guy who can but, be minimized in the playoffs, but I think that's exactly why Phoenix signed him. But I don't. I think, I think he that's can be minimized. I think he can be minimized game to game too, just because there's very like such a lack of scoring potential when he's on the floor, and you can just play off him so much. That it kind of can. I mean, the stats will say that he's doing it effectively, but you watch the film; it's just not really there. And that's another guy that's going to need the ball in his hands a ton, and just like zero CNS viability, really. Like it, where it's an actual like an impact on the floor. And I wouldn't say I there's zero. I think there's some. Well, it's not not literally zero, but it's it's not like he's not like an impact shooter. No, no. And the Cavs have so many guys like where it's lack thereof already. I'd much rather just in free agency get a look at trying to at least sell to Patty Mills. Like you're going to get real minutes as like a like that bench scoring guy. Like that's a guy I'd way rather like to me. He's much more of an impact player. Um, because there is an off-ball viability, and I don't see that at all here. Culver, I- I'm I'm sold on. I think he's, a, I don't think he's an NBA player. Um, and I guess just the whole point is what, how much Rubio really is going to impact you? And it's obviously like you're losing Prince for. I mean, okay, you get that too, but I don't. I just don't know what. Like, how much do we need to have these, like, flyer guys where you're, like, taking that in addition to a rookie? I just don't know what minutes either of them are actually going to get. I I don't want rookie Ruby on the floor that much, so. I think this boils down to one basic fact. What do you like what you've seen from Prince versus the upside of Culver? Um, I would definitely keep Prince. Well, I think you definitely take Prince in that situation. So, I mean, if you're, if the selling point, if the selling point is... I think Prince allows you to have more of a playoff push, frankly, than either of these two guys and or that two. I think that, and at this point, they have to make the playoffs next season. Like, 
It's it's about that time. Like you, you I'm not sure you I 100% keep, you, agree with you on that. You, well, you as can't far as, just, like, the, you can't just keep giving away shooters. Like I'd rather not give away a shooter. That's just my point. That's fair. And that's fair. I was going to say another reason though that I think that this makes some sense is just kind of the log jam at that four spot. If you're going to keep Love around, that leaves you with Love, Nance, Prince, Wade, and Lamar Stevens. Um and, and if they get a rookie who plays the same position, say they yeah. do get Kaminga, that's another guy there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you See, can afford to, me, to lose one of those guys. Like, Prince, you can play, like, two through four. Like, he's kind yeah. of just like a guy you just yeah, roll you the can. ball out and can play. Mm-hmm. So, that's, like, I, I, everybody wants to just, like, just give up Prince for, like, no. a Subway and, sub. And they, I, they I, should. I, I'd rather <laughs> them not do that. I don't know. I'm I, not, to be honest, I'm not I'm not sure how viable re-signing Prince or Rubio would be in the I don't know if you're going to re-sign Prince, but I'd at least rather him hang around. And you know what? If you let him walk in free agency, so be it. Factor in a Gar- Garland extension to come. Okay, well, Sam Miko doesn't think so, but okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I'd rather at this point than not just, like, not be taking back these like bad contracts if the playoffs point. is the goal for next season then i think prince helps you more yeah and they're in exactly. that stretch than 100 uh, what mac is saying yes i'm gonna push back on the little bit i'm, I'm gonna disagree i i value what ricky rubio well, this can is bring america in the, in the regular season yeah well <laughs> there we go <laughs> i i believe more in what ricky rubio can bring in the regular season i guess that's just what it boils down to okay. uh, i think and from my perspective that and getting off of jetty's money uh, is enough for it for me. Justin, I so have to ask so you. So you're not like CBS Sports and think we're going to draft Davion Mitchell then? <laughs> no, I'm not. I am okay. not. I got All a right. question for you, Justin. Yes, sure. You, I heard you say that next season is not make or break for playoffs <laughs> next season. No, I, I wasn't what? talking about that. I wasn't referring to – when I said that I'm going to push back on that, I wasn't pushing back on that. I was pushing back on something else. Okay. I think that next year is like – the year where it starts to get serious. Like, oh, I, think I, I do think they that better. there are going to be real expectations next year. Okay. They're better. They better. And, and we'll see where they're at after this offseason. Unless but. their rookie misses the entire next season, they better. Yeah, I, I think next look it's next season there will be real expectations. And I'm not gonna be someone who's if if they even if they underperform and you know are like a, in the same, I don't think they're going to be in the same position. I mean, this now, is but the East. Just like a is next season make or break for JB? Playoffs. Oh, next season is probably make or break for JB. I definitely think he's going to stick around this off season. Uh, oh, I think ne- I think the first probably thirty games next season are kind of make or break. You think? Oh, you like, think they're going to give him the uh, David Blatt treatment? Well, I think it's a possibility. I mean, the the lack of offensive creativity is kind of. Kind it's, of been it's, a problem. Yeah, it's been there. There's some things they could be doing that they're not doing. Okay. I, I do like, I really do like, like, the Jumbo 3 lineups, though. Like, the, like with Wade, Dean Wade. And Wade. Yeah. I, I do like it, because him and Nance are pretty much interchangeable 3 and 4. So, um, in that Same way. Same with Lamar, but, even. Yeah, and uh, they need to get Lamar some minutes here. I was just gonna ask. That. I think we are I down think the stretch. He's definitely because Larry does not look like himself as as Mac touched on. I think that Lamar could definitely benefit from this whole print injury thing. I just don't think he will. Um, I think you. I think much like this season is gone, it's going to be matchup based. But I definitely don't see him getting a ton of minutes, and especially if you're if we're talking about bringing. Uh, Martin out there, 
if we're talking about Jetty getting some minutes during down this stretch, I just I feel bad for Lamar, man. I I know they gave him the deal and I, the hard work, the hustle, it's all paid off for him to this point. I just don't know, you know, if you're going to keep increasing Nance's minutes back up to what, you know, what it was, even though he doesn't look like himself at this point. Um, if you're going to give Hart the minutes that you're giving him and you're ultimately going to continue to uh, give Wade more minutes, I just, where do you factor Stevens in? Uh, it's just another one of those cases where what does Stevens do well enough to bump any of these guys from the rotation outside of a development? Like, let's see what we got going down the stretch type of thing. I think the most realistic way to get there is to decrease Kevin Love's minutes. Okay, so do you well, think Fri- Friday definitely was a selling point for that? <laughs> yeah. If you're if we're going yeah. off, he of, didn't I, look like he wanted to play. I just gotta say, you know, I, I am a believer, and you know, I I still think that Love has a place within the team moving forward in terms of like leadership and sure, I being do a mentor, but next I, to Dan Giroux, maybe <laughs> after that performance. <laughs> uh, and I mean, he looked, he looked, that looked as bad as he's looked in a while. Do you I think hope that's was, not like a precursor. Do you think that he is just checked out this season? I don't think so, honestly. I, I don't know what it was in that game. He, he kept really complaining at the refs. I think that really had to do with it, something to do with it. But when you see Kevin Love do that, and then, like, he wasn't walking down the court behind man. the play, and he really was actually, well, I would say walking. Like it, it looked like a walk. Uh, I, I mean, don't know it, if it's me, but he he he, does, he doesn't look fat, but he definitely doesn't look. You know what? That's injured. a fair point too. Actually, he he looks like he's. I mean, it's clear that he's not in the best shape he's ever been in. I, he's I don't been think anyone eating, can debate he's that. He's been eating well, I think. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> well, not were, eating well. Actually, but <laughs> you know what? You know what I'm saying. There were reports before the season that he did put on weight to play center this year. Uh, did you? I mean, that reminds me. Was it the eighteen nineteen season where their plan was to roll him out at oh, center? Oh, when he was playing center, basically. Um, yeah. Do you think that that is a more of a natural position for him, maybe off the bench? <sighs> no, I, and that's just I me. Just I, just, I don't. I'm, I'm so out I don't think he can hold five. up physically. I don't think I just, he can hold yeah. up physically. Yeah, that's fair. the problem. That's fair. It, it really, like in theory, is so would be so great because the pick and pick and pop stuff like has actually looked good. But like in the last really, year, we saw how like how like it, fives, it actually would work. But there still are fives that in the league like still like they just won't even contest shots like outside of like ten feet. Like if he has that, like in theory, like you'd Gasol. love to have have that like against like the like Ennis Canners of the world, and he just feast, and you just take threes over twos because Ennis Canner would get like twelve points in like three minutes on him and twos, but. It just never, like, he just physically can't do it. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to happen at this point. <laughs> I think the question is now turned to whether or not, not whether or not he will be in the rotation, but whether or not how many more years he's going to be in the league. Uh, yeah. Looking, this know. has got it. Is he go- going to play after this contract is done, however it's resolved? Like, I, I don't see it. No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I, I, I prefaced. <laughs> Well, I ended my should, article. Should they bring the amnesty rule back for him, like specifically, just for Kevin Love, just for the <laughs> like Cavaliers, just to help him out? Because it, it really is. It, there is like, validity just, in that. I that I never really thought about that. There's actually validity in that, just because look at how much his his trade value is diminished. Nobody, it, it's either that or Cleveland just didn't want to get rid of him. 
I, I, I don't get it at this point. Uh, well, the, he doesn't have trade value. Because not even the Kings. Not even the Kings. No, not even the Kings. Nobody wanted not this man. Not the Knicks, not the Kings, not the Mavericks. Every t- There were teams with reported interest at the trade deadline. Like, at least, like, some semblance of interest. But what does that say? And does then he came back the and played, like, two minutes got? in a game and decided that he needed to sit out again. And that, like... If that's going to keep happening, he's not going to get traded unless it's a situation where, you know, I, like, I don't think he actually. Re- I, I, I'm going to say it as a hot take, I don't even really think he cares about being traded anymore. I really don't. I don't like, think, I think he, does he actually like the comments have been good. Like he's all in on sex land. Like I, I think he actually does want to be here now. I I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know Kevin, but so do you think it's he's just, tanking his trade value on purpose? Maybe he is. Maybe that's the po- Maybe that is the positive. Like, so- like secretly. Maybe he likes where he's at in life. Lives in Cleveland. Temp- well, in season, maybe I mm-hmm. guess. Like it's it's a cheap place to live. Maybe like like he recently got engaged. Maybe he's just kind of like chilling, like eating well. Like he doesn't want to go to Sacramento. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. there's there's definitely validity behind that as well. I think. Depending upon what they do with him this offseason, if he is allowed to remain with the team, if they end up finding some trade partner, you know, down the stretch of the offseason, um, if he if he's able to get in shape, maybe we'll see some type of semblance of at least, uh, you know, early Cleveland years. I, I don't see that happening, but I think he can still be a productive player, but it's just all going to factor into health and how if this if his commitment to getting into shape is really there maybe they just need to give love like a a minority stake and just just tell them to buy into restructuring somebody they gotta like like tom brady this and restructure what do you mean by restructure i'm I'm completely kidding because that's not gonna happen ever Uh, is is that that ever happened is is that a possibility period i think that's actually i don't think they can do that I, if you're talking about I, like giving him a minority stake, I don't think that's oh, legal that under way, the CBA. That's le- no, yeah, it's almost. Think it is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm obviously like, completely kidding, but yeah. it would be <laughs> it, it, it like it'd be interesting to have like some like different form of compensation because <laughs> I'm because all for it. It, I would advocate at for this, that. <laughs> at this point, he really uh, I didn't say it before like it, like he really is kind of stealing a little bit at this point. I mean. That's I think he's been stealing a little bit. I would rather him give effort and get hurt again, giving effort, than just not, than literally just not even contest shooters. Like, he's walking through this last, these last couple of games. Um, that McDaniel's blew by him. Like it, he he looked like he was playing at a di- like he literally looked like he was playing at a different speed. He just doesn't look like he wants to. Nick he doesn't Richards? look like he wants to rebound at all either. It's just I don't know. It's, I can't. I'm trying. Maybe it was just yesterday's game. Oh, Malik Daniels. Never mind. Never I mind, really mind. hope that that was the case, but it did not. Did not look good. No, it didn't. Um, well, you know, I was gonna maybe talk a little bit about free agents. I think we might save that. We've gone on an hour here. Um, Anything else you guys want to touch on quickly before we get out? Yeah, I, I had a question. Um, sure. Yesterday did not look so great for in, in terms of uh, stat line and for Isaac Okoro. How are you guys feeling about him at, at this Just point fine. in the season? Just fine. I think 
it, it's more of the same, which I think has been fine. I think it's we, we there are still going to be offensive struggles. They are are going to stay there for the rest of the season. He's not going to make some huge development in his game at this point in the season. Um, there are nights when he shoots the ball well. There's nights when he goes one for six. I think that's just kind of how it is, and especially on a night where we we've talked about what Kevin Love has done for his game. On a night where Kevin Love, I'm not just going to say is completely checked out, but doesn't look like Kevin Love exactly. Um, that that's just another thing that doesn't help for him. Um, again, he he had kind of a difficult matchup on the defensive end, even in Terry Rozier. Uh, I think I, I I wouldn't take anything from last night as to how I feel about him long term. I guess is what I'll say. Okay, that's understandable. Uh, I guess the last thing that I kind of want to ask was, um, have you guys taken a look at Denver's rotation? Uh, they're, they're no, JaVale, no JaVale. Uh, yeah, they're um, not playing McGee at all. So are you are, – well, obviously, we like what we've seen in Hartenstein. Uh, but at who's the better player at this point? Do you think that they, they really just kind of threw him away or – because to not well, play McGee at all is, to me, it's kind of a crime because he can offer – he still has a lot to offer. Well, I think that the reason they traded for JaVale in the first place was just, okay, we're going to go out here and get a guy who they didn't think was very expensive. Obviously, Hartenstein has proven to be more valuable than I think anybody thought. But um, I think it was just we go out and get JaVale as a sure thing now, and if we can go out and make an Aaron Gordon move, great. If not, we still have a guy who can be a playable big for us. And then obviously bringing in Aaron Gordon. Uh, and not that Aaron Gordon is playing a ton at center exactly, but that kind of gives you a firm, you know, planted big man rotation that kind of takes away what JaVale's potential role was going to be. That's kind of how I see it. I, I think it's honestly the the playoff experience sort of thing was with Hardenstein that he, That's another he's not going to be a guy – that you're actually giving minutes in that setting. So I, I think it's more of that and then the you know what you're going to get um, from a locker room, uh, a guy that's been there before type. Yeah, I think I think that's fair too. Obviously, the Cavaliers made out very, very well in this trade. Um, but even looking back at it, like – you mentioned, I, I'm not sure if Isaiah Hartenstein was going to ever really get real minutes for the Nuggets, uh, and he probably would have walked at the end of the season, or he would have picked up that player option, and you know it would have been more of the same next year. So you give up a couple second rounders in that. like That's not a crippling price for JaVale. So while I definitely think the Cavaliers come away as the winner, I don't think it's like a disaster that the Nuggets made that move for them. It's kind of how I view it. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I promise. Last one. I just i i've t- i've taken a little bit of flack from this for for tweeting this, but I gotta ask. Um, Kobe Altman. I kind of I kind of you know made a, a statement that he should uh, he should be up there for executive of the year for what he's been able to pull off this season. <laughs> I think. Where are you that... guys feeling about that? How how are you feeling about Kobe Altman so far? I like Kobe Altman. I, I didn't love him at first. Like, around the time of the Isaiah Thomas trade, I was not in love with him. It was the last year of LeBron, and he was put in a very difficult position between, you know, do I go all in now? Uh, do I kind of try to plan for the future? And I think what he ended up doing was somewhere kind of in the middle. Um, obviously, it was the right decision to keep that pick. 
uh, having Colin Sexton now versus DeAndre Jordan for a half a season was the right move. But um, what he's done this year, I don't understand why people hate him. So, well, I, I understand why people hate him so much because the Cavs aren't a good team right now, and your caver- your, your your average fan is just impatient. I mean, good lord, we see Amico, you know, because this team isn't winning fifty games a year, is down their back every minute, saying that they need to trade everyone and blow everything up and fire everyone. But um, no, I think he hasn't stepped out of line, and he stayed committed to the rebuild and made small moves that have added up to a lot. Um, you can look at the Dylan Windler pick over Kelvin Johnson and say that's bad. Sure, whatever. It's a late first round pick. I still think that the Kevin Porter Jr. pick was the right pick to make. It just didn't work out. You knew the risk you were taking. Um, and as far as like in-season trades here as of late, uh, made a lot of good moves for seconds. And then this year, getting Hartenstein out of JaVale McGee with picks, getting three picks for JaVale McGee, getting the Allen trade done, I think he's done a fantastic job. He just hasn't put together an immediate winner and skip steps in the rebuild, which is, I think, the appropriate way to approach this. Yeah, and a lot of people criticized him for dealing Jordan Clarkson and not, it seems like not extending Jordan Clarkson, which I, I never understood what why you ever would have. Um, and, and I like Clarkson. I like what he brings, but not... You stunted Colin Sexton's ex- Exactly. Group. And you essentially got Jared Allen for... Jordan Clarkson really because you you got him for Exum and then you got Dante Exum who was an important salary piece in the Jared right, Allen trade. exactly so uh, yeah the the and then the thing with Porter trading him I I really question what people are glossing over with Porter considering he already had and, and I I wish the best for Porter I want to preface it by that but absolutely he yeah. is already. Going to be out for what an extended period due to COVID protocols because of the incident. So I, I just like there's so many so much evidence that unfortunately with Porter this is going to be a recurring thing. I hate he continues to find himself I, in bad situations. I, I hate saying it and like he had such a, a rough, like such a hard upbringing. I, I I admire what he's been able to do given the circumstances, but. There are just it's very hard to foresee him in the league in four seasons to me. I'm gonna push back on that a little bit. I think he'll be around. I, but I, I don't think he's think ever that, going to be on the same team for like over a, a season and a half. I, I don't see it. Because you see these issues like you see these issues over and over and over, and he's unfortunately always gonna be on rebuilding teams. That's like I don't know what guidance and like like if you're not in a winning like organization, it's hard for a, a guy that talented. I, I don't. I'm not saying I know this for a fact, but he's probably. It's just going to be harder to manage. Uh, I, I know this is probably a bad comparison, but he this situation between him kind of mirrors to me the just Josh Gordon and, and how much hundred percent and 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 how much talent could potentially go to waste. Yes, you know if it continues to go down this path. It's not a bad comparison, I don't think. Um, I still do believe in Kevin. I, I think that he'll be able to. I, I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm not saying I'm not, but it's like I'm not saying that I, I like believe him 100. percent But what, I definitely like. I, I see a really real path. For sh- him. Should the Cavs have given him more of a leash? I, I I thought they gave him about as long of a leash as you possibly could have. And that's what I'm gonna say. I I don't know. I mean, 
obviously the outburst in the locker room is not something that's acceptable. And, and some of that um, has to go on the Cavs, though. Like, half has It does. Has it does. To. But some of it also has to go on to Kevin. Right. I think both sides are at fault here, but you can't ignore that Kevin is also at fault here. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you factor in that. You factor in all of the, you know, off-season issues that he had over the break um, with the, the car accident and slapping a woman and, and whatever else. Because the thing is, there were probably other things that happened that we don't know about. This is what has been this is what has been reported in a police report and something that has boiled over in the locker room because this was way too big to contain. Chances are there was probably other things that happened that weren't reported. And even if they weren't big things, just kind of little things that added up. So I don't think the Cavs made the wrong decision there. And I, I'm not giving up on Kevin Porter either. Like I think I think it could work out with the Rockets. I really, really do. I'm not saying that it will, but I think that there's a good chance. I think that that was a good move for them to make. But I just think the Cavaliers were done with it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you to Dan and Mac for coming on. Always a pleasure to them. We will be back uh, later this week, probably, to recap whatever is next. So uh, if you listen, subscribe. If you enjoyed listening, subscribe. Leave a rating, leave a review, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick 5 out of the 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.